All right, we have David, a.k.a. The Schmo, joining the show. And for those who don't know, David created uh, the character The Schmo, and he plays it on camera in his interviews, and he's one of the biggest names in combat sports. And I'm just super grateful, Dave, that you're joining the show for a little bit. So, Dave, thank you for your time, and thanks for coming on the show. No problem, Matt. Hey, you came up to me when we were in Dallas, Texas, during the Jake Paul Nate Diaz fight. You were persistent. I don't tend to do a lot of these interviews these days, but you met me face-to-face. Gave you the correct email. There we are. Yeah. And I told you off camera, I, I entered in the wrong email. So when I sent you the email, it said, hey, that's not a real email. But I just had the 313 rather than the 312. So it all worked out. It wasn't no Ariel Hawani situation. Um, but I appreciate you, you know, not forgetting about the little guy. And uh, um, before you made it big with the Schmo, you, you created the Schmo character in 2015. Uh, but I want to ask you, what's your proudest moment? in sports media prior to the schmo? Whew, that's a great question, because I created the schmo when I was working in corporate America, when I was working for USA Today Sports. There's a lot of cool things I got to do. I remember when Miles Garrett, who was going to be the first overall pick by the Cleveland Browns in the NFL draft, was getting ready, doing his NFL combine workouts. I got to go down to Texas A&M for a private workout to see how he was going and where he would his trajectory was and he ended up being the first overall pick by the Browns. That was a really cool moment. Um, I got to do the Gatorade High School Athlete of the Year Award. So that's where I got to meet some really cool people. Like I got to meet JJ Watt, Draymond Green, Abby Wambach. Um, I got to meet Kyler Murray and Jason Tatum when they were the best high school athletes of the year in their respective years. So those two moments were really cool as well. I got to meet some really cool people um, before I created the Schmo, uh, but those stand out for sure. Absolutely. And, and does video exist of these uh, pre-Schmo interviews? Yeah. You know what's funny? Um, I don't know if it was rolled up into the Schmo zone or not, but I was definitely talking like myself. Uh, NBA player Tyson Chandler, I met him in a Target break room and I did a podcast with him in the, on the spot. Oh, that's awesome. I don't know if there's video with that, but there's certainly audio. Um, but there's a lot of content of me interviewing as Dave Schmolenson on the internet. I used to do uh, like fantasy focus for like preparing people for their major league baseball and, and fantasy football drafts when I was working for USA Today. I was doing video content for their digital properties and their affiliate properties. So um, Kentucky basketball is doing video content for you know, just whatever I could get my hands on. But I definitely come from that traditional route. And then I kind of segued into the schmo when I saw where the trends of the of the way of the land was going in digital and sports media. And, and before all the success with the schmo, was it hard for you to go full schmo mode where, like, I just know it's, it's, it's not easy to do something that's so different from the norm before you make it big. Before, now that you made it big, it's cool. But before you made it big, was that hard? Were you worried what people might be thinking about you? Totally, man. Uh, there were so many people saying a lot of things behind my back and still do to this day. There were so many doubters and naysayers, but you know, somebody's got to walk so other people can run. And I feel like I was a martyr in that situation, especially around 2015. People are like, no one could do the, a character and shtick and talk to professional athletes like that and, and be taken seriously, especially go the media route and do it in character. But I knew that change was coming. I knew that the younger mobile audience, I say mobile, like digital media, like that's what we used to say back then when I was consulting sports websites at USA Today. 
um, like people want content and digestible, digestible bites from their cell phones, from their devices. And they wanted to see a different side of professional athletes. And that's why I figured I'd create the character and do something a little bit different. And plus it's kind of like an extension, a goofiness of who I am as a person too. Oh, that's really cool. That makes me think of like, I don't know if you watch Seinfeld at all, but they, they, they said that George was like an extension of Larry David. So I don't know. That just kind of comes to mind as you say that. Absolutely. And it's someone that I look up to as well. But a lot of the influences of my character, being from Chicago and you're a Midwest guy, the Chris Farley's, yeah. the John Belushi's, the Mike Myers, sure. the people that spent time in Chicago's second city. And being from the Midwest, you can relate to this. There's two different sides of people, people who are shacked up in the wintertime. And then people, when they get that Memorial Day to Labor Day, they get that sun, they get that humidity, they get to be outside. But being in that cold weather and shoveling snow really adds character. And it gives people a good sense of humor to, to get through tough times. And I, I, there's a lot of that in my character that I've taken. Um, so, And obviously being a diehard sports fan helps. So I could blend two different worlds that I really enjoy. Yes, sir. And you're from the suburbs of Chicago. And I know that a lot of kids from that location, they, they go to Marquette, you know, up in Wisconsin. Was that ever on your radar or was Arizona just the, the obvious pick? No. So um, I think what it came down to for school it was Indiana, Tulane and University of Arizona. Like a lot okay. of people uh, where I grew up went to Big Ten schools, University of Illinois, sure. Northwestern, Indiana, Michigan, you name it. Marquette actually was a school I looked at if uh, I was going to potentially go down the route of sports law when I was an undergrad and I, yeah. I ended up taking the, the LSAT and, and, and studying and Marquette I was looking at to be going down the route of a sports agent and I thought they had a really good sports law school so I've always known about it isn't it in downtown Milwaukee. Yes, Dwayne Wade Chicago Zone went there he put them on the map yeah. as, a, as a basketball school. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was familiar with it. It was under consideration, but I really wanted to get away. I really wanted warm weather, good looking girls, good sports teams, <laughs> just complete 180 from the Midwest life. And that's how I ended up in the desert. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But don't, hey, don't be sleeping. On, don't be sleeping on the Midwest girls. That's all I got to say. Don't be sleeping on them. You, you I, I don't just, hey, listen, I'm, I'm now engaged to, to an Asian girl. I don't discriminate against all. I, I like all kinds, all yeah. different colors, all different regions, dated Midwest girls, West Coast girls, East Coast girls. I like them all. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, um, but yeah, so my next question is, are you a college basketball fan at all? You know, do, do you follow your, your Arizona Wildcats throughout the year? So what's interesting is when I started full-blown uh, being a uh, media personality in mixed martial arts, I would say back in 2018, I used to be religious for like college basketball, college football. It's very similar to how I am till this day with the NFL. I used to be religious with the NBA too. Big sports sure. guy, even even baseball. But um, I don't follow it as much now. Uh, I mean, come tournament time, of course, I'm going to watch the Wildcats, but they seem to, part of my French, uh, shit the bed more often than not. Um, they, they suck when it comes to the big games that matter. Um, but I think they're, they're, they're coming around quite well. But, of course, I followed them for years. I mean, Steve Kerr, Bulls legend, he was a wildcat. That had influence in my decision back in 2008 uh, when I went wanted, wanted to go there. So 
I don't follow it as much. I would say outside of combat sports, the other sport that I really follow is NFL football. Um, those, I mean, I don't have much more time other than combat sports and sure. NFL football these days. I, I, I get that. But um, so you, you said you, you used to follow it religiously. So I, I do want to apologize. I feel like my Badgers might have uh, soured your taste a little bit. You know, my home state school and those uh, back-to-back lead eights and 14 and 15. So my apologies for that. <laughs> Listen, I was there in Anaheim. Frank Kaminsky. So you were at I that game. Yeah, yes, sir. There it is. Uh, and yeah, I was Honda celebrating Center. with the team after. I was a little high schooler hanging out with the team. <laughs> Dude, that was that sucked. That sucked. And I remember it might have been the year or two before when I watched them lose in the Staples Center. I mean, it's just uh, the West Coast, that Western bracket has not been kind for my Wildcats, but was always kind for your Badgers. I don't yeah. understand. Yeah, back-to-back Elite Eight. Some of my fondest memories with my dad. Uh, shout out to, to your Wildcats. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate those memories, <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, so, uh, and, and you know what, Wisconsin is playing Arizona this year, uh, I think like December 8th, maybe. So I'll have to, I'll have to follow back up and, uh, maybe we can make a little gentleman's bet or something like that. But, uh, yeah, they're, they'll be running it back. So maybe your Wildcats can get a little revenge, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, my next question is kind of just diving back into your career here, uh, why did you choose to cover MMA and combat sports? Did you see it as the best opportunity to get your name out there? Uh, there's a mix of everything. That's certainly the case. I, I thought that it's the wild, wild west. I think what I when I started covering the character, for starters, I've always been an MMA fan. Um, I would when I was living in my 20s in Los Angeles. There's this bar, Q's in Cabo Cantina, right behind my apartment. They had all the pay per view fights on. And it was during the heyday of Conor McGregor's rise, Ronda Rousey's rise, you know, Chris Wyman upsetting Anderson Silva. I didn't miss pay-per-views as a fan back in those days, like right during the transition of Spike, go, when they had the Spike TV deal, then transitioning to the Fox Sports TV deal for mixed martial arts. Um, and I really started getting into it in college. My college roommate, you know, we were in Tucson, Dominic Cruz, dominant WEC champion, EC champion from Tucson area. So... I had a taste of everything, but why I decided to get into it is after starting the character and covering the traditional sports, the NFLs, MLBs, Major League Baseballs, there's so much red tape to get access to the athletes and to do things. Um, it's very structured in a very difficult way for, for point of entry. And me just using my savviness and the knowledge I knew from the media world and working in the traditional spots that I did with USA Today um, the NFL network. And then when I actually graduated college, my first job in sports was interning for at the time Comcast sports, such sports at Chicago, which became NBC sports, Chicago. Um, so the point of access was, was easiest to get in. And plus, um, I was a big fan and I just saw an opportunity. I don't think it was covered enough and there was a lot of room in there. And, and I just took advantage of a great opportunity and got to, I got to work with some great people and the rest kind of spiraled into play. Good deal. And um, my next question is, did you, you know, starting off, I imagine you had some nerves in some of your interviews. It's just a human thing. Um, Maybe you didn't, but did you have nerves as you started off and you've done so many interviews now? Do you ever get any nerves now before an interview? No. I mean, at the end of the day, we're human. We all put our pants on one leg at a time. And yeah, 
with the character, I, I obviously draw a lot of attention. I'd much rather have all the attention on the character than myself as, as I try to make known. Um, I, I don't get nervous for interviews because I, it's do or die for me. It's like, okay, you worked your tail off to get this far. Are you just going to just freeze up right now and tense up? This is your moment. Like, you know, it's deliver. And, um, I like pressure. I like pressure situations. I like that there are no redos. There are no mix up. I don't mind if people are watching. I'm very dialed in on what I have to do to do this successfully because I have a lot of cards stacked against me more often than not. And, um, you know, you just find a way. Good deal. And so maybe I, I spoke incorrectly. When, when you started, did you feel those nerves? Um, I felt nerves of doing the character as in like, okay, uh, people aren't going to like this. Uh, people aren't going to be receptive. People don't know who I am. So I felt like I had to continuously prove myself. And to an extent, you still do to all the time. I wouldn't, uh, I would say there are certain fighters that obviously I do my homework for or certain people that I know their personalities aren't necessarily going to mesh with the character. And I'm going to have to really dig hard to do this in an entertaining and informative manner. But I would say it was the nerves were just to ensure that I had a place at the table. And once I established that I had a place at the table, it was not going to get in the way of anything. It wasn't necessarily about the people I was interviewing. It was just about the environment where I was doing the interviews. Right. And which, which interview guest um, have you become closest with in real life? I'm close with a lot of them. If you, if, if you go back to this, this weekend's past pay-per-view in Boston with the UFC, I'm close with Aljamain. I'm close with Sean O'Malley. I'm close with Henry Cejudo. Hey, I was just interviewing Marab at his house uh, two days ago. I'm close with him. A lot of guys in the Bantamweight division. Um, I, I've ended up developing a close relationship with a lot of fighters. And it, it's not something I thought or envisioned would happen when I started this, but there's a lot of guys that I've developed great bonds with over the years. And it's just, I just saw Michael Chandler over the weekend. I've, I've had a great bond with him even before he's with the UFC. When he was back with Bellator, um, I had a good relationship with him. So there's too many to name, but those are the most immediate examples because I just saw those guys within the past sure. few days. And as you've developed relationships with these guys, how are you feeling when, when you're watching them going to war? You know, I've been desensitized to it because at the end of the day, I don't really care who wins or loses. I just want them to get out of their healthy, relatively unscathed. Obviously, the fans want blood, shed, glory, whatever, and you want entertainment. But I don't get value in wins or losses. I, I, I want to see them successful in and outside of the sport, like where they're not financially like looking from paycheck to paycheck, relying on the next fight. These are all genuinely good people. And that's another thing that drew me to the sport over other sports. I think mixed martial arts and you can throw in combat sports. Cause I, I started covering boxing before I started covering MMA, mm -hmm. but I, I, so if you blanket combat sports, I think overall you, ha and, and you would say, Oh, it's such a violent sport. These guys can be crazy. Yeah. Maybe a select few can, but overall, I think they're better quality humans than athletes from other professional sports. And I've interviewed athletes from all professional sports. Sure. And I, I would say my leniency is towards combat athletes. Well, 
That's interesting. That's interesting. And um, is there any athletes that uh, in real life, in person, who are a lot different than how you expected them to be? Nothing that's ringing a bell right now. Um, it's it's weird because like I pride myself on studying these guys. It would be very like and knowing the ins and outs before I do interviews. So I feel like if I'm going there and I don't have a taste of what their personality could be like, then I didn't prepare. I haven't really walked away with like, oh crap, this sucks or whatever. Um, I've I've had some pleasant surprises like some great personalities that like that I wasn't aware of. Like I remember like one of the first times I interviewed like a Jordan Levitt, you see how outlandish he is as a mixed martial artist. He's very expressive. Um, you know, he gets people chomping at him all the time, you know, giving him homo homophobic slurs and things like that, just because his personality is very outgoing. So I, I remember I get pleasant surprises from people like that because they play into the schmo character Anytime an athlete comes in there and they play back with me and they use the word schmo in the interview, I always get a huge kick out of it. And I would say those are the most pleasant surprises. So you, you've already made it big in, in, in sports media, but what are some goals? What are your ultimate goals moving forward? So it's funny you say that you made it big. Like I don't even consider that. Every single day uh, I wake up unsatisfied. I'm very happy. And I'm proud of everything I've done, but I'm not where I want to be. I set out on this journey to be the number one sports personality on the planet. I feel like more often than not, I operate with my hands tied behind my back because Helen and I literally do everything. You know, there's companies that have 10, 12 people for one or two of us, um, write, produce, edit, book our own talent, run our own show. It's, 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 we're running our own media companies essentially so I would love to have my own morning show or late night show of sports. I would love to showcase more of the physicality stuff, the schmo versus the pro. I feel like um, interview wise, I'll continue to do those, but it's like, you know, I, I want to continue to find ways to evolve in and be more than just affiliated with combat sports. And I'm very proud of it. I'm, I'm very large in the combat sports community, but I've always looked at myself as not a combat sports personality, but a sports personality. And the term personality, when I started using that in 2015, nobody had that term personality. And then now I see a lot of people use that term personality. So it's, it's very motivating for me to see another generation of people inspired by a lot of the things that I do. Uh, but to, to answer your question, like I want to scale what I'm doing in a much larger way. And I want to have a lot more resources where I can focus more on the talent side of things and the creative side of things rather than the behind the scenes stuff that aren't as sexy or glamorous that people don't realize I have to do every day. And no, that's actually wild that you, I, I know you're independent, but I didn't realize you're that independent that, that you still do the editing. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's hard to find. You can't teach motivation, Matt. And, and I've tried to delegate over the years and do different things, but like, I mean, I just haven't been blessed to find the right people or I've just had, Helen knows, I know what my strengths are, my weaknesses are. I, I always look at the good in people and I suck at HR. So when I've tried to hire help in the past for things like this, it's like by the time I teach someone or, or, or try to look for it, it's like I could have done it better myself. I Like what am I wasting time for? So, and there's only so much hours in the day and I'm always in grind mode. So it's uh, it's been difficult and when I can get over that hump, I think a lot of more big things would be in my journey. 
Sure. So are, are you looking to stay just, you know, 100% independent in the future? Like, like is, is that, is that kind of the plan here? Well, it's, I love running my own company. I love being my own boss. I don't think I'll ever give that up to an extent, but I have no problem working with others and for other people. Like for example, I have current sponsors that I work with right now that are partnerships, you know, yeah. um, I, you know, they, there's expectations and there's deliverables and I have to meet them. And I, and to an extent that feels like working for someone or with someone that's okay. But, um, it's unclear to answer that question, but like, um, you know, this path chose me. I didn't choose this path. For years, I tried to work for the major organizations and they didn't give me a chance. So I created my own way. And so it's hard to say yes to, to what I have. I don't know if I'll ever need to, but I never say never and I'm open-minded, but I don't know what that would look like today if somebody were to ask me. Right. And then the last question I got for you before I rapid fire round is, What's the all-time favorite event that you've covered and why? I love covering Super Bowl Radio Row. I think that week is just the best week to do interviews and sports and do everything. Um, I loved what um, I was able to pull off um, a couple weeks back and do a mixed martial arts, uh, an MMA, a a basketball game. Uh, Playing in Floyd Mayweather's basketball game inspired me for this. Playing with all the NFL, like, uh, Pro Bowlers, the Stefan Diggs, Trayvon Diggs, Max Crosby, like big time NFL guys. Um, that was really, really damn cool. One really cool thing that I reflect on, it's on my screensaver on my phone. One of the coolest things I ever got to do is to schmo. Uh, Pro Bowl kicker Adam Benateri, when he's playing with the Colts, brought in uh, the Guinness World of Records during Super Bowl Radio Row Week to see how many field goals, 20-yard or 25-yard field goals. It was 20 or 25. I don't remember the distance, but they're close by. How many he can successfully make under a minute. I got to watch it, be on the field with him. He signed a Schmo jersey. They made a Schmo jersey, taught me how to kick field goals. That was a really cool experience. So um, those are right up there. Fight Island was up there. I mean, I've got to do so many cool things and I, I'm just really lucky and blessed. Do you ever get like, since you've experienced all the, oh, you actually already kind of answered this. You, you want to continue to scale it, but do these events ever get a tiny bit old? Like that you've experienced so much already or does it still feel like, like new, like, like super fun and fresh? Well, every, every event's a unique event. Um, everything, everything I go to, I, I give it a hundred percent. That's my personality. I'm zero or a hundred. So if I commit to be somewhere, I definitely want to be there. And I, and I look for the best in things. I look for new opportunities to talk to people at certain times. It's history to me. It's like, you'll never get those two at that time, at that moment, a coming together and, and fighting or, or playing this game or whatnot. So I, if, if I'm there, I love it. Awesome. Awesome. So, all right. Well, I'm very appreciative of your time. I just got this rapid fire round. Um, so I'll give you a bunch of questions. Just answer them in a timely fashion. Cool. All right. All right. Funniest person to interview. Right now it's Sean Strickland. Toughest sports loss you've experienced as a fan. I would probably say the bears in the Super Bowl against the Colts. Most electric event you've ever covered? Ooh, Melbourne, Australia, when Izzy became the undisputed middleweight champion against Robert Whitaker. Marvel Stadium. Uh, Who's your ideal dance partner if you ever decide to compete in combat sports? Outside of Ariel. 
Um, you know, I would weigh in as a backup fighter to Zuckerberg and Musk if they need that. 100%. <laughs> I'll be a backup fighter. Good deal. That would be great. Um, dogs or cats? Dogs. Favorite food? Uh, cream barbecue. Favorite holiday? Thanksgiving. I don't know if you can answer this one, but favorite fighter to watch? I got favorite fighters to watch. Like, I've always loved watching Izzy, love watching Sean O'Malley, love watching Kevin Holland. You see the trend here, John Jones, these long, skinny, lengthy guys. Sure. I just find, because their physique, everyone everyone who doesn't know much about fighting, every casual fan, they're like the big muscular guy and X, Y, and Z. But I, I, I love guys that make this an art form, and I just named a few guys that really showcase a good art form. Favorite movie? I have favorite movies. Um, uh, off the top of my mind, I'll mind. I'll give you a couple of them. Um, no Country for Old Men is right up there. American Beauty's up there. Uh, American History X is up there. The Dark Knight. Um, I love Adam Sandler movies. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Uh, favorite type of music? Uh, probably '90s alternative. Good deal. Favorite musical artist? Uh, the first CD ever bought was Bush, so they they were by default became my my favorite band. But I love Smashing Pumpkins. Um, you know, there's uh, alternative uh, rock was always my thing. Good deal. Uh, just a few more here. Biggest pet peeve? Um, inconsistency and un unpunctuality. I'm very timely. If, hey, you say, hey, we got a show at six o'clock. I'll be there at six o'clock. So being on time um, and not showing up on time and, and not, not following through with your word. So all of that leads to not following through with your word. That's my biggest pet peeve. Got it. Favorite country you've ever visited? Italy. Favorite city you've ever visited? Oh, Barcelona. Um, outside of Chicago, it's Barcelona. Barcelona. Good deal. Good deal. I like the clarification there. And all right, my last question is, what's your final message to all the Schmo fans worldwide? <laughs> I like that. Thanks. You're probably the first one to ask me that. My final message to all the Schmo fans worldwide is, thank you. I appreciate you all more than you ever know because David Schmolenson, Dave Schmolenson does not have social media, just the Schmo, and I keep up a character Without you guys, I wouldn't be doing what I do. You watch it, you support it, whether you like it, you hate it, you comment, you engage with it. And I appreciate that. Without you, I wouldn't be able to wake up every day and do what I love, talk sports and entertain. You guys mean the world to me. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart. And over the years to come of me doing this, I will find ways to show my gratitude. Oh, that's awesome. That's an awesome message there. And he's the schmo and we're out.